Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, podcast number 81. Today you're going to be joined by my regular co-host, Gerald Manchelenko. Hey Manny, how's it going? Uh, it was a good week, we got two wins, uh, one loss, so uh, I guess it's better than the week before when we uh, kind of shit to bed both games on the after the, the Christmas homestand, so uh, we'll take it. Absolutely. Uh... You know, it's it was nice to see the Jets play a, a more familiar game tonight. Um, and, uh, it, however, that first period was a little a uh, little worrisome. And just the way they played, they carried uh, the, the shot attempt advantage, uh, the territorial advantage, and had nothing to show for it. And and of course, they score a power play goal in the second period and and me along with I'm sure a lot of other people thought oh boy here we go um but they they stuck with it played their game and uh were full value for the win tonight yeah for sure uh what's yeah yeah I, I know what you're saying because it's kind of scary it seems like even though this team's in first place in the central and one of the best records in the league we're still kind of fragile a little bit right now because we haven't been playing great lately and we're so used to getting off to those quick starts at home, get you know, score a couple of early goals in the first period, and as soon as the game gets kind of tight, like the whole building gets quiet. And and especially when it's a period when you have a ton of shots and you kind of dominate play and you have nothing to show for it, the first thing you think of is the negative. Oh, that's going to catch up with us now. <laughs> well, yeah. In this case, it kind of didn't. Um, but. Uh, what I found curious, let's just take a back step and go back to the game in Edmonton. And anytime we beat the Oilers, it's always a good day. You know, we're always pretty happy to do that. And it was a, it's a tough game. I mean, anytime you're playing on the road, I, I never take those games for granted, no matter how bad a team is playing. You're, you're in the building with the player who's the best player in the world. And uh, we beat them. But once again, uh, the big names, uh, well, basically for the whole three games this week, the big names on the team, I'm not going to say they didn't show up, but they didn't show up on the score sheet. So we got some greasy, ugly goals from a couple of the other lines. And, uh, you know, overall, the week finished 2-1. and one. But uh, it was nice to start off the week, especially on the road with that win in Edmonton, uh, going into Pittsburgh where we just have had no luck. And that was an ugly, weird game. I hated everything about there's it. A few games in the, oh. There's a few games on the schedule every year that you, you count them as a win or a loss. And for the Jets, their uh, annual trip to Pittsburgh is is definitely a loss. It's like the Bermuda Triangle when you go there. Like, what kind of weird goals? I mean, Matt Cullen scores a goal, like, off his head, and the puck's bouncing around. It was just, uh, I was, you know, I watched the game, and usually, <laughs> I'll yell at the TV once or twice, twice, and my wife kind of laughs at me. But I just watched it, shook my head, and went, yeah, here we go again. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a good thing. It's I can take it a lot easier when... We're not scratching for every point right now, and we're, you know, 12, 13 games over 500, and we're not uh, sitting around that 500 mark and needing the win. I can just go, okay, fine, that's fine. I can deal with that. Uh, we'll make up for it next week. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I hated that game. Yeah, it wasn't very good. And But you make your own luck. Like, we've had a lot of bad bounces over the last stretch, and it's a byproduct of, you know, we're not playing our very best. And, uh you know, and sometimes when, when you're not creating your own luck, uh, it's going to go the other way. Well, and not to make excuses either. Notice how that rhymed with Ehlers. Uh, Nick got knocked out early in the first period. So right off the bat now, you're playing with 11 forwards and you're scrambling around. And, 
everything was out of whack and uh, that's a small excuse. I mean, what it does is it kind of hurts the fourth line because they're the guys that get screwed, right? But, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, but, yeah. And, you know, it seems like, have you noticed, and this has been like a pet peeve of mine lately, now that we, you know, we're at the top of the league, either first or second in power play numbers, that we're not getting any power plays anymore. Like, our officials going, oh, we can't call that because, you know, the, well, that we were running teams out of the building within the first period just on power plays alone early. Now, it might have been fool's gold, but the thing is, like, I don't want to get into the officiating. It's just so awful. I just can't. I can't stand well, it. It was, you know, but uh, you know, wh- why do teams like? It's almost like you have to have a reputation. Like you don't go into Pittsburgh. I want you to. I want to. I want to know the last time the Pittsburgh Penguins never had a power play in a home game like we did against Minnesota, and like we almost did tonight. We went over two and a half periods before we saw a power play. That's ridiculous in your home building. Well. And it's, and it's not like that there's, uh, you know, it's a perfectly clean game and it's just one of those nights where there's no penalties being called. There's plenty of opportunity and we saw a little bit of it again tonight and we see it uh, generally speaking on in every hockey game that uh, that's out there that, you know, the quality of calls is suspect at best. And uh, it's, it's in my opinion, it's not good. No, it's, you know, not. It's, it's not good for the game and... And uh, if a team deserves 10 penalty uh, or power plays in a night because the other team can't stay out of the box, so be it. Exactly. That's it, how I look at you it. You know, so be it. And, and, and either hate- you got to be really good at the, on, the, on the kill or uh, stay out of the box. So, you know, it's uh, – but that said, you know, some penalties are penalties and you got to call them. Okay. Now, um, everybody knows that injuries are part of the game. Uh, the Jets have been – blessed with relatively decent health and when i say decent health i'm talking to the top end players uh now it's buff is out you know nick Ehlers went out uh, like we said in the, on thursday in the pittsburgh game just on a just a clean check from crosby but crosby's like a brick shit house isn't he i mean it was, he, he just caught oh for sure he caught Ehlers the right way nick wasn't ready and uh looks like he's i don't want to speculate because i don't know about injuries but it looks it, it Obviously, if it was a separated shoulder, he would have never come back into the game. So it must be like a tweak or a bruise. So, but they're still saying, you know, uh, early February, mid February before he before he comes back. So, and that's a big loss. It's a it's a well, loss. Four for, weeks is a long time. Yeah, it could be as much as six. So, you know, Buff's going to be gone till then. So that's a long time to be missing two, you know, pretty dynamic players. And of course, it's opportunity for the next guys, right? Uh, and, you know, based on tonight's lineup versus Dallas, I have to laugh. It's like poor Nick Patan still draws the short straw, even with the injuries. Um, so that that was interesting, but uh, it's an opportunity for uh, you know for Mason Appleton. It's an opportunity for Jack Rostovic to move up to the top six. And I thought he was uh, thought he was interesting. I thought he was pretty good. Like uh, there's no loss of speed on that line. Uh, when you substitute an Ehlers or a Connor from that second line, Roslovic might be the fastest of the three of them. Uh, once again, my complaint with, uh, well, Roslovic a little bit uh, early in the game, and this whole team uh, for a whole, as a, on a whole, is what's, Mandy, what do you think it is, what's, what's with this reluctance to shoot? They're always looking, I mean, 
I think sometimes hockey players, and especially guys with good shots, you got to be a little greedy and, you know, fire the puck. I mean, you're not always going to score, but sometimes you get a rebound, a guy's driving to the net, you draw a penalty. To me, it seems like we're playing too much perimeter hockey and looking for that perfect play. And that's, an, and that's a, you know, a byproduct of actually making a lot of nice plays and scoring some nice goals. You think it's a given every night, but, you know, sometimes you've got to stick your nose in there and get dirty. And I, I thought especially, like, it's, it no, it, you know, it's funny, like, Wheeler and Shifley have been uh, pretty quiet lately. And to me, they're the biggest defenders of playing perimeter hockey right now. They're not getting... Oh, absolutely. They're not going to the net. So is it just me or, is it, or do, you, do you see it too? Are they just not shooting the puck? Well, it's it's the quality of the shots. It's the location of the shots and the shot selection. They're they're taking shots from places they shouldn't be, and then and then then they get too cute on other opportunities. And uh, you know, tonight I saw um, Connor fire. I think it was Connor fired fired the puck across on a rush to uh, Wheeler on the wing. And next thing you know, it's this big saucer long pass across completely across the ice to to Shifley. And and I'm thinking. Hey guys, that's that's such a poor selection. Is that the best that we got? And so that first period in particular, I you know, we had lots of shot attempts, but I, I really didn't find that 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 period was uh, about all these high quality scoring chances. And and we've been staying to the outside for a long time, and we are too cute with that puck. Uh, we Shifley and and Wheeler tend to look for each other too much, and it's not the first time I've said that because I think two or three pods ago we were talking about that same very thing. They they've got to they've got to integrate a, a different mindset. Uh, yes, shooting, um, uh, but you know, getting a, a few dirty goals here is going to help the process too. So, you know. The shots are from the outside. They're they're not, uh, you know. They're it's a byproduct of why they haven't been scoring. Well, you know, you know funny, funny. and they got five tonight, and yeah, and uh, no pretty yeah, okay, there. you know. But I didn't I didn't find them a dangerous offensive team tonight. Yeah, even was, though they had five. It was funny because the uh, the two best scoring chances in the first period was Shifley and uh, I think it was Tanner, right down Broadway. And they both missed the net. You know, oh sure. Those were those were great A chances, but uh, they did they did have some scoring chances. And they did have uh, the shots, but it just I mean, at, a lot of times I'll see reluctance to shoot. I see it, and and the people go, well, "What are you talking about, Mitch? Uh, look, they had fourteen shots on goal. Yeah, they had fourteen shots on goal, but they could have had twenty. You know, and I'm not even. I mean, sometimes um, and I and I get it. I, I it's funny like Patrick Line like a, a pure goal scorer, his mentality is shot first. He looks for the shot, and if he doesn't have the shot, he can dish it. But some other guys, too many guys are thinking pass first. And uh, it's just, you know, right now it's just a little phase they're going through. They'll come out of it. But it just seems that's like... That's true. Because you know, they're too good to, to well, be stuck. That's right. But it just seems it's, you know, it's sort of coinciding with a couple of our bigger names shutting down a little bit. So, uh, yeah, whatever. It's... Uh, I mean, it's nice to nitpick about crap like this on a team that's basically one of the best teams in the Western Conference and in the league. So outside of Tampa, they're they're just crazy right now. So, based on what you saw tonight, it's uh, the first game with uh, you know life after Ehlers. Uh, what did you think of the line combos? Do you think that looks like that's uh, carved in stone or a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of 
blendering going on, do you think, the next little bit or not? Because we've got five out of six at home. So. Yeah, and, you know, we got Colorado coming in, and, you know, we know what we're going to get there. You speed, know, lots of speed, speed and, yeah. uh, you know, Colorado plays a pretty physical game along with that speed. So it's, you know, we're going to have to be at our very best, and uh, and our our top, top guys are going to have to, you know, be ready to match that speed and and if not uh, get get above it so um i think the lineup is probably going to look very similar to what it was tonight you know they're they're going to want to have as much speed as possible in the top two lines and uh and uh with perot and and uh, tanev um on that third line the shutdown line and and they can they can carry the carry the mail in terms of pace just the same so for you know for the most part so i i think we're going to see a lot of the same you know if if things don't go well uh you know with the with the second line you might see some juggling there um but uh for the most part i I think we're going to go into this game uh against colorado looking pretty much the same do you think that maybe like because it's colorado and you're looking at a speed game that maybe this is the type of game where maybe you take Lemieux out, you put Patan in. That could very well be, you know, it, and it would make some sense. But uh, you know, yeah. we know Maurice to be, uh, you know, somewhat of a creature of habit in some respects. Uh, but at the, you know, in terms of the player mix, you know, I, I guess it's time to start thinking maybe Patan doesn't have a place here, and it's. You know, it is what it what it is, and uh, you know we'll talk about trade later. I want to bring that up here because it's that time that time of year to to begin to look forward a little bit. But um, you know, it, it would it would probably be the right move to bring Patan in, but at the same time, it would be more of a surprise that he gets in than he doesn't. Yeah, I think you want to keep those fourth line guys fresh. I mean. Uh... I have no comment on the Pittsburgh game because I, you know, like there's a certain certain there's a certain part of this fan base, the trolls on Twitter, that uh, will take they'll take a game like Pittsburgh, and they'll blame everything on Tanev, Myers, and Lemieux. And it doesn't matter how shitty Shifley, or Connor, or Wheeler, or Line play, or anybody plays. Those are your whipping boys, and it's always their fault. Okay. Yeah. So, the Mew scores a couple of mucky, ugly goals. Well, there's no way Maurice is taking one of the lined up next game. I mean, I don't even like Lemieux that much, and I wouldn't take him out. But I've kind of—I wouldn't say I've done a 360 on him. What I think about Lemieux is you got to use him like a Dominic Roussel. I don't need to. There's certain teams that you don't need to irritate them and poke the bear. But if I'm playing Nashville, I say to Brendan Lemieux, you know what? Get in PK's face the whole game, and let's and let, get it get into his grill. That's where that's where those Tanevs and those Lemieux types, um, that's part of their worth. In spite of what the analytics guys will say, yeah, their analytics aren't great. But you know what? Everything in this game isn't about the analytics. There is, and they hate this. I'm just going to say they hate the intangibles. But those intangibles are real, whether you like it or not. And we don't have it like that's why Buff was so good last year. He was playing at a high level. He was in everybody's face, and he was a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of guys in our lineup cranked up their games that way, and that it, it looked good on us. And uh, 
So I, I see, I mean, I see what Maurice sees in, uh, in Lemieux and what he's grooming him for, but uh, Nick Batan's too good a talent to waste. Uh, you rotate those bottom line guys in as needed by maybe based on the teams we're playing. Or in this case, now we have some injuries, but uh, I don't want to see Patan sit in the press box. I'd rather see him play on the Moose, but uh, actually, I'd like to see him play on the Jets. And I, I'd like to see him play more than Brendan Lemieux, for sure. No? Uh, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, there's no disputing Patan has more skill than, than Lemieux. Right. Right? Like, and, and yes, there's some... You know, some assists there, his points are what they are in terms of if you want to do per 60 minutes or, you know, Patan has a good history. But there's still something missing, and, 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 and I think it might be just pure and simple. He hasn't been good enough to crack. You're not going to change the Lowry line, okay? You're going to have a Perot or Cop or some interchangeability there, but he's not better than though that that line in terms of the the chemistry that those guys have and the role that they play. Patan is not knocking um, Little or Connor Ehlers, yeah. any of those players, you know, out of the lineup. So in my mind, it's a pure numbers game. And then on the fourth line, you're, you're putting the guy in prison by playing him on the fourth line, you know, and, and, and there's no chemistry between Roslovic and Patan that they made have might've had an Appleton that they might've had in the, from the A last year. It's not translating yet. You know, some of those guys like uh, Roslovic, you know, they're hot and cold. They're like, their consistency just isn't there. And, you know, they're learning how to how to play at the NHL level and what they need to do. So that bottom end is, you know, the only real place for him. But yet it's not respectful to the skill set that he's got. So what do you do? Well, I, you guess, know, and, he, I guess he has to take it or leave it, right? <laughs> well, sure. And now, as the, as the from a Jets perspective, he's under contract. Yep. He's going to get, you know, it's a coach's decision how he gets played. He's playing here. He's not in the minors. So, you know, they need the depth because there's not a lot, you know, outside of what's here right now, you know, what what are you going to call up now out of from a forward perspective out of the moose? Right. It's funny you said that, Daryl, because uh, a buddy of mine we're talking to, and he goes, yeah, well, I hope they move Patan at the deadline, and I hope they do this with him and give him a chance somewhere. And I, and I said to him, well, right now, He's on the NHL roster, so he's getting paid big boy dollars. So I'm sure he's mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm sure he'd like to play a little more. But the Jets aren't, they're not doing anything with him. The first time we see Nick Patan leave this organization is when he hits his 27-year-old and he becomes a UFA. You just don't give guys away because, you know what, whether he plays here in the Moose, he's still, you know, he's still an organizational asset. That's right. And you don't and an important one at this at this. That's right. and, and you don't toss these guys around, but... When you were when you were talking about flipping lines, or I had a thought again. I have lots of thoughts, lots of random thoughts too. But uh, I, you know what I'd like to see? I would like to see Brian Little center Kyle Connor and Jack Roslovic, and I would like to see Patrick Laine go up to the top line, play on his off wing, on the left wing with Wheeler and Shifley. That I would like to see that right now. 
I would like to see the third line be uh, Lowry, uh, Lemieux, or sorry, <laughs> yeah, there's a Freudian slip. <laughs> Lowry, Tandem, and, and MP. And on the fourth line, why not have Cop center uh, Appleton and Patan? I think I like that lineup. Well, I guess my, I guess you know, I, I know when it comes to the lines, I'm a little bit indifferent as, and you know, kind of a, I know, indifferent sort of <laughs> attitude about it because to me, I think we're talking about changing lines for the sake of a change in line, or we're thinking about a combination that hasn't been used yet, and we automatically think it's going to be a whole bunch better. I guess I don't look at it that way, and and. And when I look at the players that are in the bottom end and, and what they can do, are we going to get anything? Like, what are we looking for? Are we looking for a short-term jump start? Or are we looking for long-term? And I don't know if any, like, a long-term, we can never talk about any of those lines as being uh, the right line long-term other than, you know, than the top six that we see right now. You know, th- those... But there's always going to be interchangeability because, you know, flipping Ehlers and, and, and Connor seems to be one way to change the dynamic uh, of, and it's more so to deal with those two players and not necessarily the other two on each of those lines. But at the end of the day, when it t- when you talk about the bottom six, they're going to, you, you take, tweak a player here and you tweak a player there are you gaining anything that is dynamic and and that you know like oh my god we we should have thought of this like years ago kind of epiphany no i don't think it's there and i guess that's the problem or that's why i'm a little bit in indifferent when it comes to some of these line changes is that you know are we really going to see something dramatic i think it's a case of you know now Patan deserves to get more playing time, in my opinion. I, but you know he's had enough time too, right? So I'm kind of stuck there. I'm like I, I like I'm I'm stuck with with the role the player that he needs to play with is not going to happen on this team. You know, so because he is a big time setup man, there's no doubt about that. R- right, and. You're gonna take right now. You got on the power play. Is he gonna slot in? Like, no, he, no. He, you gonna slot him in uh, on the second power play line? Not happening, right? Yeah. Like, so there's a lot of not happenings that would serve him well. And so, from a depth perspective or a depth perception uh, perspective, I mean, he's he's a depth player on this team right now, and. And in two years from now, I fully expect him to be a Seattle somebody, right? Like whatever they're going to be called. Um, If not sooner, depending on, you know, and let's get right into it now. You know, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, look like a team waiting for somebody to do something to really get these guys in high gear. And and maybe it's going to require a trade now uh, to kickstart that. And whether it's, you know, it could be uh, a Jake Muzzin uh, kind of a player that that could be your second line left side D. Um, It could be a forward um, that fits, uh, 
you know, who's under contract that you can then potentially move a guy like Patan to a more favorable place. Um, I just want to just jump in here for a second since we're talking about this. Have you heard anything about uh, rumors about Kevin Hayes in Winnipeg? No, I haven't. I've heard a couple of peeps out there, and I'm just wondering if it's just, uh, you know, you never know if it's just a couple of guys talking on Twitter or if there's something to it. You never know where it starts or where it's coming from, but it makes sense because, uh, you know, he's one of those guys on an expiring deal that would look good coming down the stretch, could maybe help. He's a big body. Uh, yeah. He's got some skill. Um, I don't know that he's a number. See, I know a lot of people are waiting for Chevy to pull the pin on another uh, magical uh, acquisition of a Paul Stastny. And bring I don't think that. that's happening this yeah, year. Yeah, there's, no, there's not a lot of number two centers that are just floating around out there, right? Um, well, not, not to mention the price that the Jets have had to pay over the last couple of years in terms of uh, picks. And, and, you know, I think... And rightly so, you're building a team and you got cap issues. You could see some, you know, you could see a TANEV go away next year as a, as a UFA. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are starting to come to, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, a shot to the side of the head uh, realization that this team is got to win. And, but we also can mortgage the future because, you know, this isn't a two-year or three-year window, and also we're going to go back to what it was like five or six years ago. Well, you, you know, know what, having I... to to start over again. We, I, I just don't see that happening. But, and which is why a trade may make some sense so long from a contract perspective, where there's a guy who might need a change of scenery that would would work well here, be an upside to a, a Lemieux or Patan. You know, like some of those types of deals I see happening, uh, that there's there's contract attached to it because, you know, the price for that might be far less, might be more rostered, current roster players as opposed to draft picks where UFAs, they're looking for draft picks typically, right? So I, I'm, I'm reluctant as to, you know, but I also think the Jets need to, I think they're looking for some kickstart to really get them over the hump. Yeah, it's funny. See, and I and I come from a kind of bit of an opposing view on that because I think the Jets kind of figure the next couple of years is their is their window to win. Um, based on the age of their roster, there's not a lot of prospects. There's going to be a lot of prospects being roster blocked on this team. You know, your Sandbergs, your Logan Stanleys, and they've got some good guys on the moose. I mean, I'm shocked that Appleton's up this year, but uh, I think the currency they're going to spend is I don't even think they're going to spend prospects because I mean, I guess they could. But I think I don't think they have any problem doing the same thing they did last year, floating out a first rounder for a rental. Um, you know what's their pick going to be? It's going to be a late first, you know, in the the twenties, the mid to late twenties is the pick. I think they can live with that and depend. And and I think the player they're they're going to try to get is going to be more of a top six type player. I don't think they're looking for role players. I think we got enough role players. So whatever, that's you know just a thought on that. But that's an interesting point. Well, we benefited last year from. You know, a, a number two center that then created um, a scenario where our fourth line was immediately impacted just by the process of dropping players down, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know what's – like, I haven't looked at it in depth, but by all accounts, it sure doesn't look like there's a number two. You know, a number two centerman out there, and and Little has, I think he's played played well. I don't think he's played great 
you know, his inconsistency in terms of uh, contributing on the score sheet, uh, you know, that's that's who he is as a player. So, you know, if there's I, – I just – it to me, it just has a feel of a player-for-player player type of tra- trade season for them, looking for, for, for upgrades. And – and if they go and find a better player that's going to slot in in those bottom six, that's going to give them more scoring punch, change the dynamic, someone who can jump up to the, you know, into that second line role and, and worst case scenario uh, into that first line role. Some, you know, another Matthew Perot type of player. Wow. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know, like, like it strikes me that that kind of, you know, and, and by all accounts, according to his agent, uh, a guy like Froelich is uh, being uh, roster blocked. So maybe there's a yeah. chance to have a guy like him come back, right? Yeah, not at that. Not at, I'm not on his ticket. No. Um, <laughs> uh, before we, I mean, we're not going to wrap it up right away, but we're getting closer to the end here. So let's just tidy up a little bit of uh, old new old news, I guess. Uh, let's talk about the All Star Game. Um, uh, first time double jets going. So Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley have been. You know, chose to play on the three-on-three, and Paul Maurice, uh, based on the standings at uh, whatever point in the season they picked, is uh, going to the All-Star game as well. Uh, second time for him, he was an assistant uh, quite a few years ago, back in the '90s. So uh, nice for them, nice little nugget, I guess, right? Well, that's you know what I think. Paul Maurice deserves some accolades. Uh, I don't think he's had very much in that regard uh, over the course of his time here in Winnipeg, uh, and I think he's just you know notwithstanding uh, certain decisions or some <laughs> questionable logic at times, you know, but at the end of the day, he's he's leading a team that has been one of the best teams in the NHL over the last, uh, you know, couple of years and, uh, and, and, and growing into what they were last year and, and, and this year. So I think, I think it's a good, uh, you know, Chevy last year, you you know, I think was he not uh, nominated for an executive of the year? He was, and so you know, good on him for that. He, in my opinion, he could have won that if it not for some miracle in in the desert, right? So, um, yeah. so it's it's Maurice's turn, and and he deserves that uh, that accolade. So, I think it's good on him. It's you know what, and uh, listening to the, some of the player reaction to that, I think uh, they are excited for him. I think the Jets, as a whole, their players. I think he's done a good job uh, keeping the room together. I think he's actually pretty well liked as a coach. I think uh, so too. He's probably very. He's. I think he's probably tough, but very, very fair. And uh, uh, he's uh, he's been around for quite a while. He's pretty well spoken, and uh, he's seen he's seen the get run them seen them run the gambit of uh, a lot of different styles of hockey over his you know years in the league, and he seems to know how to. Uh, uh, work with young players and older players as well. So, yeah. Uh, next thing I wanted to kind of bring up was, well, I guess, congratulations goes to uh, Finland for somehow miraculously beating Canada in an interesting game and the winning the gold medal. So, lots of happy Finns on the Jets and uh, around. So, I guess, uh, yeah, good for them. I mean, uh, would have been nice to win, but uh, they sure tried to give it away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I actually enjoyed the hockey. I enjoyed watching Team USA and and Team Russia as well. It was a you know it was an interesting tournament. There was no um, I thought Jack Hughes was uh, well. He was injured and not he didn't show me anything. I mean, uh, his numbers are good. You know, 
where he plays so with the national development team. But uh, or is he in college now? I can't even remember. Don't really care because <laughs> we're not getting him. But uh, I thought that uh, the U.S. was a pretty good team. So yeah, well, you know, all in all, I mean, it'd be nice to win it on home soil. I'm good for Finland on on them. But uh, I guess I just want to mention that uh, you know our prospects watch them very closely, probably more critically than I should have, but uh, I thought for the most part uh, they were very average. I probably expected more from Sandberg because it's his second time around and he's uh, shown, you know, he's shown a lot of improvement in college, but uh, as far as Vertanen and, uh, and Gustafson go, uh, eh, nothing to get excited about there. I don't see them threatening any, roster, any Jets roster anytime soon. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, um, it's a byproduct of jet success, right? Like, uh, you know, yeah, right. I'm not trying to not trying to diminish this, but expectation in terms of some of our top end uh, players is going to have to change because of uh, where things go. And, and hopefully we find a diamond in the rough along the way, right? So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, we won't have a first round pick this year. And it's, uh, you know, that's uh, in St. Louis right now. Oh, oh, and no, 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 no. We didn't have it this year. They took it. They St. Louis already used that. Ah, uh, sorry. That's right. Sorry. That's why, that's why we took, like, that's Gustafson right. was that's a second rounder. He was our first that's selection. Right. So sorry. That's that's why I was saying we can afford to blow another one. <laughs> well, yeah. I, hey, I, I'm like I a drunken sailor. I don't care. I'll spend those draft picks because now, now that we got a pretty stock team, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, we've already got Pullman. Logan Stanley and Sandberg of defensemen that, you know, are, are down there. Uh, they're going to have to come up soon. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Oh, it, you know, we got to wrap up right away, but uh, get your thoughts on this. I'm going to – I have some – like I'm, I'm just absolutely disgusted with Twitter. It makes me sick to my stomach that after that Canada game, the shit and crap that came out of these assholes' mouths – uh, especially towards Maxime Comtois, the captain, to me was borderline. You know, Twitter's got to do something with these assholes on there and these trolls that hide in their basements and have nothing better to do than crap on, you know, young hockey players. Whether whether they're young, older, they just, nothing but negativity. The stuff that they called him after, because he missed a penalty shot and because we lost the game and because he was cap, uh, the captain... I wish Twitter could somehow get these assholes and and bar them, block them, or whatever, because this this country's got a fucking problem. I'm like, I'm so pissed off right now, Daryl. Like, we lose a hockey game and you're attacking 18 and 19 year old kids. Like, you know, grab a brain, people out there. You make me sick on Twitter. You know, I I, I enjoy Twitter. I have tons of friends on Twitter, and 98 percent of the people on on Twitter are awesome, and two percent of them are absolute assholes that got no business breathing. You know, Twitter's got to do something because the attack on that Canadian team on a Maxine Comtois, I felt for him and his family, it, it was absolutely disgusting. I don't know how much you how much you heard or saw of it, but uh, well, I, you know. we certainly you couldn't couldn't uh, get away from. You know all the reports and of about the reaction on Twitter. Yeah, I personally chose not to go looking because I thought to myself, you know, okay, this isn't going to benefit me in any shape or form. So, you know, there, there's nothing good that. So I, I I I resisted going to look for it. So, 
But, you know, generally, as a general comment, it is unacceptable. And, you know, the, those types of things need to be managed in some shape or form for sure. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you in that sense whatsoever. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's pretty sad when a player has to come out and make an announcement through his agent about it and, you know, and, and react to that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's sad and, um, you know, and, you know, not all things in this world, because they're shiny and new, are better. And, you know, the advent of social media has not been, you know, generally speaking, you know, the best uh, at times. And uh, here's another example of it. So, yeah, I hate to I hate to end the podcast on that note, but I felt really strongly about that. And I just, uh, I don't know, it... Uh, it just—it's just not—it's just not, it's not fair, and I don't think any human being should have to put up with that, especially a nineteen-year-old kid wearing a flag on his chest for his country. Well, here, here's a positive thing now. Okay, okay, so let's just go back to a little. Let's sort of get ourselves back in the in the mode, right? So, here we are with tonight's win. We still have two games in hand. We're a yep. point up on Nashville. Uh, we're going up against Colorado on Tuesday and Thursday against Minnesota, uh, followed by Friday um, Detroit. against Detroit. Detroit, right? So yep. on a back-to-back. So big week, and um, and frankly, um, an important week. Uh, it really is, you know, because... Uh, They're all important, it, right, Daryl? The next five, oh, they all are. Well, when yeah. you look at the next six games, Colorado, yep. Minnesota, Detroit, Anaheim, Vegas, and Nashville. Yep. So Five at home. You know, five at home. Uh, there's no, you know, Detroit, Detroit just finished beating Nashville in overtime the other night. Can't take those guys lightly, especially the Jets' record against Detroit has been somewhat of a, you know, hot and cold scenario. So the Jets better be ready to go, bring the game they brought tonight, and uh, get some dirty goals, get aggressive, keep it simpler, and, you know, I, I'm expecting four out of six wins here uh, over the next, uh, you know, week and change. Yeah, I'd like that too. Uh, on another note, uh, to our Ukrainian friends, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're one of them. I forgot the man. Yeah, that's oh, right. I guess so, huh? Anyway, to uh, our all of our listeners, thanks for uh, thanks for taking time to stop by. Um, you know where you can find us, uh, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, under the podcast tab. And- Go Jets, go this week. Daryl, we'll uh, get back together next, I uh, guess, uh, Sunday night or Monday morning, whatever. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, Daryl. Take care.